This week, I want to talk about getting your life back in your marriage. Because I, I don't know if you can see it or not, but I, I can see that uh, the last 18 months have taken a toll on marriages. I mean, just it's true. And, and so I want, I want us to fight for our marriage. I want, to, I want us to get our life back in our marriage. And, and the theme verse that we're kind of rolling with here is found in Matthew chapter 11. It says, are you tired? Are, are you worn out in your marriage? Anybody? Anybody just burn out on religion? Are, are, you, are, you, are, you, are you just t- you, you're ready to throw in the towel? Jesus says, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. So that's where we get this, the, the title, get your life back. You, you get your life back when you do it God's way. Okay? So he says, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live lightly and freely and lightly. And I just, I just think that God wants us to live freely and lightly. Does anybody, anybody else want that for your life? You just want to live lightly and freely. I don't want to walk around with these burdens and these things weighing me down all the time. And that's what God wants for us. And so I want to dedicate today's message to all the married folk out there, but especially to the married folk who, in the last 18 months, you've been going through a hard time. Like, you, you've, been, you've been in a really, like, you've been in a season uh, where, where it's just, you're ready to throw in the towel. It's been a struggle for you. And so, even though today's message is, is for married couples, I want you to know you can get something out of it even if you're not married. Okay, so, so what, I'm, what that means is don't tune me out, okay? So if you're, if you're single and you're like, oh, he's talking to married people, this doesn't apply. Well, you might be married one day, so go ahead and just take notes. If, if, you're, if you're single again, hey, you can learn something from this. Any relationship, you can learn. If, you might be a teenager out there today, and you can learn something from this message about, like, maybe why your parents have been so stressed and what's been going on in, in their marriage over the last 18 months. Maybe give you a way that you can pray for them, right? So we're going we're gonna to talk about marriage today. And I want to start with three, just three thoughts about marriage, three things that we need to remember about marriage. And the first thing is this, that marriage is God's idea. All right? We don't, we don't get to define marriage, do we? Like, God created marriage. He instituted marriage. The first book of the Bible, the, fir- the second chapter of the Bible, he, he put marriage on the map, okay? So we don't get to design it. We don't get to decide it. We don't get to define marriage. He created marriage. So there's no law that we can put in the uh, order that would, that would define marriage. No, marriage is this. Uh, marriage, God's way, is between one biological male and one biological female. That is what marriage is, according to God's word. I'll show it to you in... And I'm not going to stay here long. I'm not trying to make a point and, and be political or anything. I'm just, I'm just helping us see from a biblical standpoint that the Lord said, it's not good for the man to be alone. He looked down on all that he created. And there, there, was, there was the earth and there was man and all of the animals. And he goes, man, it's not good for that joker to be alone. We, we're, going to have to, we're going to have to find him some help, right? And so God says, I'll make him a helper suitable for him. Okay, suitable for him. And so 22 and 24 says, that then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken from the man. So he put Adam to sleep and he took a rib out of Adam's rib cage. He made Eve and he brought her to the man and Adam said, whoa, man. Okay, that's... Like, woman, 
Whoa, man. Ah, oh, see. All right. At least that's, that's what I think he, he probably said. Whoa, man. All right. So, so here's what God says. It's why a man leaves his father and his mother and is united to his wife, okay? And that they become one flesh. Even Jesus, you fast forward thousands of years later, Jesus quotes that same thing. It's why a man leaves his father and mother. He's united to his wife. They become one flesh. He's defining what marriage is here. So why is it, why is God's idea of marriage a good idea? Well, I, I want to... I want to show it to you. It's a verse that I usually use for small groups, but I love this from Ecclesiastes uh, 4, 9 through 12 says, two are better than one. Two are, two are better than one uh, because they, they have a good return for their labor. If one of them falls down, if somebody in the marriage falls down, the other one can help them up. Verse 10 or 11 says that if they lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? We're going back to two is better than one. I love this, though, verse 12. That though one may be overpowered, when you're, when you're in a marriage, two can defend themselves. And this is not defending yourself against the other, by the way. This is defending both of you at the same time. You're, you're, you're putting up a fight against the enemy. And it says, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So I want to, help, I want to help let you in on something today. And that is that, that marriage is not between a man and a woman. Marriage is between a man, a woman, and God. God is the third strand. And, and God says in his word that a, a, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. See, when you invite God into your marriage, it won't be easily broken. I'm not saying it won't be broken. I'm not, I'm not saying you won't have hard times. I'm just saying it won't be easily or quickly broken. And so we've got to invite God into our marriage. Can I get an amen right there? Here's the truth. We have a, we, you have, I have a 100% chance of success at marriage if you do it God's way. And that's the caveat. That's what we've got to know. When he gets involved, it's not quickly broken. So that's, that's one. It's God's idea. But number two, marriage is hard work. Whole lot of work, work. Mm, whole lot of work, work. It's a lot of work. It, it is. So if you're not married and you think, oh, one day I just want to get married and we're going to hold hands all the time and we're going to go on walks and we're going to go to the beach and we're just going to sit across the table from each other every night at our home-cooked dinner and we're just going to goo and awe at each other. It's hard work. It takes a lot of work. And all of the married people said... Amen. It does. It really does take a lot of work. Now, you just need to go into marriage knowing that if you're single. Just know it's, it's, not, it's not all easy. And so just because God is the third strand doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. Just because God is the third strand doesn't mean you won't have hardships. There's going to be times when, when it's hard. And, and listen, God created Adam and then he made Eve. This is chapter 2. He gives Eve to Adam in Genesis chapter 2. In Genesis chapter 3, the very first thing that happens is Satan shows up on the scene. So let me, just, let me just clarify with you today that Adam and Eve had the perfect environment for their marriage and they still didn't get it right. And if they had the perfect environment and they couldn't get it right, we're going to have some struggles along the way too. And so Satan shows up. The first thing that Satan attacks in the Bible is marriage. Why does he attack marriage? Because he hates your marriage. 
He can't stand your marriage because he knows that if your marriage is strong, if you have a healthy marriage, you have a healthy, a healthy home. And if you have a healthy home, then you have a healthy church. And a healthy church can change the world around it. And so Satan is attacking constantly the marriage. He is. And so we've got to understand that. Marriage is hard work. Number three, the third thought is that even though it is hard, it's still possible. A great marriage is possible. You can do it. You can have it. You, it, it it's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's not going to be easy, but you can do it. And so if your marriage has been shaken over the last 18 months, this is not a message of condemnation. It's not a message of guilt or anything like that. I, I want to help you. I'm burdened, actually, for, for this, for marriages. Because marriages are under attack not just in the world, but even in the church. And so what, we, we need to take a stand, right? fight for our marriages. So if your marriage has been shaken in the last 18 months, I would want you to know three things. First is that you're not alone. You're not alone. Well, yeah, man, I just, nobody else has ever been through what I'm going through right now. That's the biggest lie of the enemy. He wants you to believe that nobody else has experienced what you're experiencing in this life. That the things that you're going through, is, it's isolated to you and nobody else, nobody else has dealt with it. That's a lie from the enemy. There are other people in this church who've been through what you're going through right now. But not only are there people who will be there for you, that you're, you're not alone, uh, but there also God is for you. That God is there for you. The second thing is that there's hope. There is hope for you. Come on, there's, it, it, the story isn't over yet. The, the chapter hasn't been written yet. The book is not closed. Come on, somebody. There's hope. There's more that God wants to do. There's hope, but the third thing you need to know is that you have to do it God's way. And there's hope. It's not over. You're not alone, but listen, you've got to do it God's way. And I'll say it again, that you have a 100% chance of success of marriage if you do it God's way. If you do it God's way. Let me show you this. I love this scripture in Genesis. I'm sorry, it's Psalm chapter 55. It says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. The word sustain is the Hebrew word cool, C-H-U-L. And it just means that he will, he will provide for you. He will nourish you. He will take care of your needs. He will give you everything necessary to do what he's calling you to do. So if you cast your cares on him, he's going to sustain you. And notice that he will never let the righteous be shaken. So who's not shaken? The righteous. Okay. Now, what, what, who are the righteous? It's the people who do it God's way. It's the people who are, who are walking in God's path. And, and it doesn't, he, he's not saying you won't have hard times. He's saying you, another word for shaken would be moved. You'll be grounded. You'll be firmly planted and rooted. Like a palm tree, you might bend, but you won't break. Come on, somebody. That's good news. And I'm claiming that for our marriages this year. So I believe that God has more for our marriage. I believe that God has more for us. And no matter where you are in your marriage, on a scale of 1 to 10, no matter where you are, God has more. Yes. He wants to take you to a new, a new level. Well, Pastor Ben, we're a 9. Well, then he wants to take you to a 9.1. You know, if, I'm great, if I were grading people, like if I were doing an evaluation or something like that, I, I'm just a little trick, a little in, inside on me, I never give people the maximum number, ever. Do you know why? Because there's always room for growth. And if I say you're a 10 out of a 10, then there's no reason for you to try anymore. 
You have arrived. You've got it all under control, and you can be up here teaching us today, right? But none of us are a 10 out of a 10. I mean, we, we do say to our dream team, everybody's a 10 at something. That's true. You are great. You are gifted and purposed for something. But listen, there's always room for improvement. There's always room to get better in our marriage. And so I believe God wants to do that. But it's going to take work. It's going to take intentionality. It's going to take determination. It's going to take surrender. It's going to take selflessness. And you know what else it's going to take? An uphill climb. Pastor Ben, you're supposed to be bringing good news to us today. <laughs> but, uh, I, I'm trying. I'm trying. But I think there's this misconception that, you know, once we get married, it's gravy train from here on out. We're just going to make love all the time and just, you know, just hold each other in our arms. And it's not like that. Okay? So, so what am I talking about? It's an uphill climb. It, everything, John Maxwell says that everything worthwhile is uphill. Nothing happens easily in this life. You're gonna, it's, it's, an uphill, it, it's an uphill climb. So here's, here's something I want you to think about. The uphill climb for your marriage is worth it. Yes. Your marriage is worth the blood, the sweat, the tears, the prayers, the, the, the fights that you have. It's worth all of the uh, anguish that it's caused you over the years. It's worth every bit of that. And God wants to do a work in your marriage. Can, you believe, if you believe it, say amen. amen. All right. So I want to I talk about, give you four, four questions. So if we believe that our marriage is worth the fight, if it's worth the uphill climb, then we have four questions we need to answer, all right? And these, again, they're good for any relationship, but I'm talking in the context of marriage today, that number one, we've got to ask the question, how are we doing for real? Be, be real about your marriage. Be real about your relationship. I mean, don't, don't just sugarcoat it like, oh, yeah, we're good. We're fine. Things, yeah, yeah. We don't have any problems. No, be, be real. Because here, here's the thing, in order to get where God wants you to go, you need to acknowledge where you currently are. In order to get where God wants you to go, you need to be willing to acknowledge where you are right now. So, so Peter did this. Peter got real with Jesus. And, and I want to use this, um, I want to use the disciples and Jesus as our case study for these four questions, okay? So you, you guys know that Jesus gave his life on the cross. And they buried him in a tomb for three days. And, and on the third day, he rose again, right? And uh, during, that se during those few days before the crucifixion and after the crucifixion, the disciples, their relationship with Jesus was a little different. They, they weren't sure what was going to happen. Like, like he said he was the king. Like we believed him, but now he's dead. Like what do we do? The Bible says that they were, they were hiding they were a little discouraged. Their relationship with Jesus, we could say, was a little strained. It was a little strained. Some, sometimes like our relationship with a spouse. And so uh, the Bible says that the, the disciples, some of them scattered. In fact, all of them ran. None of them were there for Jesus when he, when he died, except John. He was the only one there. Peter, in fact, denied Jesus three times. And he went back to his old life. Okay, so I'm, I'm catching you up on the story here. He goes back to his old life, and uh, his old life was fishing. He was a fisherman. So they're out in the lake fishing one night, and they catch nothing. I mean, no, nothing's biting. And then all of a sudden, they hear a voice the next morning. They hear a voice from the shore say, hey, did you catch anything? And, and they said, no. 
and the voice says, well, throw your net on the other side. And, and they didn't realize it was Jesus on the shore. And so they threw their net on the other side and they caught so many fish. Like the Bible says it was 153 fish. And one of the disciples go, it's the Lord. And when Peter heard that, he put his robe on and dove into the water to swim to the shore. I don't know why you would put your clothes on to get into the water. But he did that. He puts his clothes on, swims to the shore, and it's Jesus standing on the shore. The, the same man that he had denied three times, that he even knew him. And so here's Jesus cooking breakfast. He's making fish for breakfast. I've, I've never had fish for breakfast, but Jesus cooked fish for breakfast. And we're picking up in John 21, and it says, When they had finished eating, Jesus says to Simon Peter, remember, he denied him three times. He says to Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And the word that Jesus uses here for love is the Greek word agape. Do you agape me? And this word agape uh, literally means, do you love me unconditionally? Peter, am I enough for you? Are you satisfied with me, Peter? I, am, I, am I all that you really need? And so Peter answers Jesus back and he says, yeah, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. Peter changes the word on Jesus and, and Peter, Jesus wants to know, do you agape me? Do you love me in, unconditionally? Peter says, Lord, you know that I like you. That's what the word phileo means. You know that I, I think you're pretty cool to be around. I mean, you do some awesome miracles and that one time you fed the 15,000 men, it was so cool. That was awesome. I love being around you for what you do for me. So Jesus asks him the question again. He says, Simon, son of John, and, and let me just pause. When he said, do you love me more than these, Jesus wasn't talking about the other disciples. Do you love me more than the rest of these jokers that abandoned me? It's not what he says. Do you love me more than these 153 fish that you just caught? Do you love me more than your old life, Peter? Do you love me more than the way it used to be? Come on. And so the, he asks him again the second time. He says, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Am I enough for you, Peter? Are you, are you willing to go all in with me, Peter? And, and Peter says, Lord, you, yes, you know that I, I like you. I phileo you. I think you're pretty cool. You're a friend. And so then the third time, he says to Simon, son of John, do you? And Jesus this time changes the word. Do you phileo me? What Jesus is doing is he's, he's saying, I know you said you don't agape me, but Peter, I'm really wondering, do you even like me? I mean, do, do, you even, do you really even like me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You know everything. And you know that I like you. You know that, God, Jesus, this is all I can muster right now. I'm, I'm hurting. Peter's broken. I mean, he's betrayed his Lord and Savior. He's betrayed Jesus. He's broken. He's embarrassed. He's hurting. And he says, Jesus, this is all I've got. And Jesus didn't go, well, I knew it. I knew you were a piece of trash, man. I don't even, I don't even know why I invited you to be part of my posse. Come on, bro. Like, what's up? He doesn't do that. He doesn't get all angry and start accusing him. And I knew you would never amount to anything, Peter. I knew I could never trust you. Essentially, Jesus says, that's all I need, bro. I just needed you to be real. I just needed you to be real. And, and married couples, what we've got to do in our marriage is just get real. We've, we've just got to boil it down and get real. Like, what's, how are we really doing? 
How are we really doing? What's really going on in our marriage? We got to ask ourselves on a scale of one to 10, how are we doing? How are things going? Are you willing to get honest about it? Are you willing to have a conversation with your spouse where you're not pointing the finger and you're not, you're not angry, where you're not yelling and screaming and you're not, you're not cussing at each other, but you just sit down and you, you talk about how are we doing? Like how, how is it? How are we? So that's the first question we've got to ask. And we've got to be real. The second question is, is what's working? I mean, let's talk about what is going well. Let's talk about what's, what's happening that's good, and let's be thankful about those things. Because so many times we start with the bad. We start with the negative. We start with the things that, that really get our blood pumping. And you never do this, and you're always. And, and I'm, I'm just preaching. I know it's a little quiet, but I, I mean, has he been in our house? No. It's, it happens happens but we gotta we gotta we gotta talk about what's going well and so before we before we get into the negative before we get into the criticisms before we get into what they do wrong and what this and no let's talk about what's good paul says it this way in philippians he says finally brothers whatever is true whatever is whatever's noble whatever's right whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is admirable if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those kinds of things. Think about things in your marriage that are admirable. And I know some of you are thinking, man, there ain't nothing in my marriage admirable. I don't admire nothing. I don't, I don't admire anything. Well, you must admire something because you married. You said I do, right? Well, she doesn't look the way she used to. You admired, you admired something. Well, he doesn't do this. He toots in bed, whatever, you know. <laughs> She's all the time wearing that baggy t-shirt she got back in high school. It's been 35 years ago. I don't know when. Okay. There must be something admirable about, about your spouse. And so you, you just talk about that. You, you, you don't focus on the negative things. Can I get an amen? So... So Jesus does this with his disciples. Now, um, what, what's, what's, what's working? Now, they, they did some things wrong, certainly. They, you know, they were discouraged after Jesus' death. They weren't certain what was going to happen, but they hadn't lost the faith. Okay, so they, that, was, that was good. They were, still, they were still believing. They were still faithful. And the Bible says in John 20, verse 19, this is before the episode with Peter on the beach, so it says that on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for the fear of the Jews. So, so they're together, they're still, they're still together, but they're afraid. And, and all of a sudden, Jesus comes in and he stands among them and he says, peace be with you. Do you know why he said peace be with you? Because they were freaked out, that's why. I mean, how would you like it if you're just sitting in the kitchen talking and all of a sudden, boom, there's like Jesus is there. Like, What? So he says, hey, hey, it's okay, peace. It's okay, I'm here, peace be with you. Now, here's what I want to say. They, they, they were doing something right. They were doing something well. They were together. And can I just tell you today, married couples, that, that this is what we need to follow. The fact that they were together was enough for Jesus to show up in their relationship. And the fact that you're still married, the fact that you're still together, the fact that you're still talking is enough for Jesus to show up in your marriage and to bring restoration and healing and health. It's enough. It's enough. 
So don't, so don't, get, don't give up on it. It's not all bad. And I know when we're looking at things, sometimes we can look at it like it's just right here and everything's bad and it's terrible and it's no good. But when we back up a little bit, we can see the good. We can see what God's been up to. We can see how he's been preparing us. And so maybe you just need to make a list of five things that's going well. Maybe you need to make, make a list of what, what is going right. What is happening that's this good? And what that does is it allows you to focus on the positive before you go and criticize the negative, before you criticize everything that's not right. So we, we've, we've got to know that we've we got to ask how we're doing. We've got to be real there. We've got to ask what's working well, and we've got to be thankful. But number three, we've got to talk about what's not working. We've we got to get here at some point and talk about what's not going well, and here we've got to just be honest. We just have to be honest. What's, what's not going well? And Jesus, he has this conversation with the, with the disciples. So after he was crucified, he was buried, he comes back to life, and he starts appearing to some different people, and they go tell the disciples, but the disciples don't believe him. They don't, they don't believe that Jesus is alive. Look in Mark chapter 16. It says that when Jesus rose early on the first day, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. This is at the tomb. And so when, when, when she went back and told him, when they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they didn't believe it. And then Jesus appears to, uh, in a different form to two of the disciples while they're walking in the country. And then they run back to the disciples and they tell the disciples, but they didn't believe those guys either. Check this out. Verse 14, later, Jesus appeared to the 11. So remember, we just read John 20 about how Jesus appeared in the, in, the, in the room and he said, peace be with you, right? So this is the same story written by Mark, okay? This is Mark's version of it. Later, Jesus appeared to the 11 as they were eating. This is where Jesus appears, says, peace be with you, and he rebukes them. For their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe. He rebukes them because they didn't believe the people who had seen him after he had risen. So what, in other words, what Jesus does is he kind of gets in their business a little bit. And he says, hey, this isn't working. Like he rebukes them for not believing. I, I, I've been telling people, I've been showing myself to people that I'm alive. They're coming to tell you and you don't even believe. Like, hey guys, we can't change the world that way. Like, we, we, can't, we can't take over. We, we can't see the kingdom of God come if, if you're not even going to go all in with me. Like, we, we can't do that. And he, he kind of gets in their business, graceful, truthful. But he says, this is not working. Your unbelief is not working. Married couples, how does that apply to us? We're going to have to get brutally honest. We're going to we're gonna have to get honest. Jesus got honest with the disciples. Hey, fellas, like... I've been sending people your way and you're not listening. You're not, I, I've got to have more to work with here. How does that apply to us? We're going to have to get brutally honest. We're going to have to talk about some things. We have to get honest about things that aren't working if God is going to heal and restore our marriages. Hey, so we're going to have to get honest about what's not working in our communication. Which, which, by the way, I think communication has been an issue all the way back from Adam and Eve. If you think about it, Adam uh, was created first, and God told Adam about the tree in the Garden of Eden. He didn't tell Eve. He, he made Adam responsible to tell Eve. 
And, and some of you ladies right now are thinking, well, if God had just told us, then we would have, we would have made sure. It would have been, we'd still be in the garden today, right? What was it? It was, it, it was communication. And I think from the very beginning, it's been an issue. And that's how the enemy, he likes to work through our communication or lack thereof. So your issue probably isn't financial, it's probably communication about finances. Your issue probably isn't, uh, it isn't the kids, it's the communication about the kids. Your issue probably isn't sex, it's the communication about sex. And so we got to get honest about all of those things in our communication and, and the way those things are working in our life. We've got to get honest about how we're feeling in our emotions, right? And so what's not working? We've got to get honest about that. So get, because getting your life back is going to require you to get in the same corner as your spouse and, and quit fighting your spouse and start fighting for your spouse. I'm going I'm to say that again. I'm just going to say it again because that was way too good. It's going to require you to get in the same corner and fight for each other and not fight against each other. Too many times we're just, it's like we're in the boxing ring. We just kind of, we're just jabbing. We're uppercutting. We just, we're, we're fighting our own spouse. And we're destroying our own spouse. And when we get in the same corner as each other, we realize that we're not fighting each other. We're fighting a real enemy, the devil, who hates our marriage and wants to destroy our marriage. So we've got to get in the same corner. We're not, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against principalities. Now, you can apply that to any relationship. We're talking marriage today. Apply that to any relationship, though. Get in the same corner. We're fighting for each other. Now... The last thing is, is this. Number four is that we've got to ask the question, where do we want to be 365 days? Where do we want to be a year from now in our marriage? Now, too many times we're just taking it day by day, and we don't really have a plan for our marriage. We don't have a hope for our marriage. And we put up with the same old things over and over and over again, and we say we're going to change, and we don't change, and we hope they're going to change, and they don't change. And we don't have a vision for our marriage. We've got to be prayerful. Ask the Holy Spirit, ask God, where do, you want, where do you want us to be in our marriage a year from now? And in order to make that happen, a couple things you've got to do. Number one is you need a plan. Because if you don't have a plan, all you have is a dream. Think about it this way. No one becomes great on accident. No thing becomes great on accident. Nothing just is, is great by happenstance. Yeah, we got married, and we didn't try at all, man. It just, it was incredible. Like, it just, everything fell into place. No, no, no. Yeah, you got to have a plan. Number two, you got to find some resources. Find some resources. So there's, there's books. There's marriage conferences. We do a marriage conference every February. There's a marriage conference. There's counselors that you can go see. There are people who would love to help you in your marriage. In fact, we have a marriage small group that's in our directory and 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 I'm, I'm what I'm about to say I'm not mad about it, I'm not hurt about it but I'm I, I'm a little I just I'm bringing it up because uh, we had a marriage small group that out of the hundreds of people who attend here nobody signed up for and I think the reason that we don't sign up for those things sometimes like a marriage group is because we think well if I sign up for a marriage group then then they're just going to assume that I got a bad marriage and I don't want, I mean, they're going to think that I've got problems in my marriage. I'm just wondering who doesn't have problems in their marriage. You know, like who doesn't have issues in their marriage? And so, 
so a lot of times we, we, we won't sign up for a, a group like that because I, I don't want them to assume that, you know, we're showing up because we got issues. We do. We, we have issues. So maybe instead of, maybe change your mindset on that and say, you know what, we are going to show up because we just want a better marriage. Come on. You don't have to have a, don't wait until your marriage is bad. Don't wait until your marriage is on the rocks to go to marriage on the rock. That's what the name of the small group is. A lot of people, they, they get it confused. They say, yeah, I'm going to that marriage on the rocks class. No, 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 it's not marriage on the rocks. It's marriage on the rock. We're building our marriage on Jesus, right? And so I've, I've asked Pastor Derek, hey, keep that group open after this weekend. Let's, 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 in, let's remind people, this is a resource. Doesn't matter if you've been married 50 years or five years or five months. It's healthy for us to just find resources. And what you might find is you get in a group with some people that you're like, man, I can learn some things from those folks. And, 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 and they need somebody that they can share with what God's done in their life too. So it's resources. Number three, eliminate what's not helping. Eliminate the things that are distractions in your marriage. Eliminate the, the social media. You know, take it down, right? You're, you're, maybe you're spending too much time on it. Maybe it's... Uh, maybe, maybe it's something that you just really enjoy, but boy, it drives your spouse crazy. Come together, get, get, in, get in communication on that thing. Decide what, what's the right amount of time. Eliminate things that aren't help, helping. Number four is um, put in the effort. Put in the effort. There was a couple in our first service. I, I did their 50-year vow renewal yesterday. 50 years that they've been married and I believe what they would tell us is that it took a lot of effort. It didn't happen just coincidentally or happenstance. It was, it was that they, they paid the price to have 50 years of marriage. And then what some of you need to do is just rekindle the romance. Rekindle the romance. For, for some of you in the room today, you need to do what Adam and Eve did back in Genesis chapter 2. It says that that Adam and Eve were both naked. Y'all just need to, although one person after the last service said, uh, Pastor Ben, you know, when you're 70, it's, uh, <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, Both, hey, they were both naked. And look at this. They felt no shame. Why? Because they were married. Because they, they were together. Because, man, and, and, you know, they, they were one. And I think some of that, that's just a prescription, right? That's just the prescription is uh, go home and do it. I mean, just for some of you. Okay, now I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to bring it back. Some, some kids thinking they, they were wishing they were in kids' church today. Uh, so sorry. Um, all right. So, so for, for real, let me, let me end it up like this. Um, I don't have much time. I've got to wrap up. All right. Um, where do you want to be 40 days from now? Where do you want to be 50 days from now? All right. Those disciples that were hiding in their room, those disciples that had denied Jesus, 
those disciples that had they had a strained relationship with Jesus they had walked away they were broken they were ashamed those same disciples are the same ones that Jesus used to start his church on the day of Pentecost 50 days later when the Holy Spirit was poured out and God moved in such a powerful way he took the same broken and discouraged and this disunified group of disciples and he birthed the church of Jesus Christ with him and I'm just here to tell you today that if he can do that with the disciples he can do that with your marriage what can he do with your marriage in 50 days if you just let him have his way in your marriage what, what could he do Peter we read about Peter and how he, um, he couldn't tell Jesus that he loved him. He said, I like you. I phileo you. Peter is one of the foundations of the church, guys. What changed for Peter? He fell in love with Jesus. He fell in love with Jesus. So he couldn't tell Jesus in that moment that he loved him. But if you fast forward decades later, as he's writing... Two, two books, two, two letters that we have from Peter in the Bible, First and Second Peter. When you read those letters, the word agape shows up nine times in those letters. He couldn't even look at Jesus in the eyes and tell him that he loved him. But God did such a work in his heart. He healed the relationship so much so that Peter gave his life for Jesus Christ. He was crucified upside down. Why? Because Peter learned to agape. And I think that's what we need in our marriages. Some of you, your, your marriages, you need to learn to, you, you like each other, but you need to love each other. Peter says this in 1 Peter 1.8, that though you have not seen Jesus, he writes this to to his people he says you agape him how could they know how to agape Jesus unless Peter had shown them how and he says even though you you don't see him now you believe in him see Peter was guilty for not loving or believing in Jesus and some of you you're not in love or maybe you know this about somebody else that and they like each other but they don't love each other and you're not believing Maybe you're not believing your marriage can be healed. It can be restored. But here's my prayer for you. That you would love. That you would believe. And that you would be filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. That's my prayer for you. Would you bow your heads with me today? Father, we've had some laughs. We've had some good times this morning. But it really is a serious matter, Lord praying for every marriage here today every marriage every future marriage that you would show up in power show up in strength and in grace bring restoration if you're here this morning heads are bowed but you would say Ben I need you to pray for my marriage would you just slip up your hand right now slip up your hand and say pray for my marriage pray for my marriage hey, thank you thank you thank you thank you pray for Father, for every hand lifted up right now, I'm praying for the, the, every marriage, every hand that's raised. I'm asking that you would pour out your spirit. You'd pour out your abundant grace, your abundant truth. God, that you would let these marriages fall in love 
all over again that there would be agape love in these marriages not just like not just phileo but an agape you are enough i'm not going back to my old life i'm not going back to the way it used to be you are enough father i pray for restoration and healing and reconciliation god i'm praying for strength and truth and power i'm praying for grace i'm praying for forgiveness i'm praying for the hand of god over every one of these marriages today and i thank you that what you put together Lord, your, your word says, let no man separate. So I thank you that, that you're in the middle of these marriages. It's between man, woman, and you, God. We invite you into our marriages today in Jesus' name. Amen. With your head still bowed, if you're here today and you'd say, Ben, I'm far from God. I don't know God. I, I'm, I'm drifting. I'm, I've been walking away. I've, I've been doing things my own way. I've been living my own life. I've been doing... I, I've been... I've been calling the shots in my life, but I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I'm ready to go from phileo to agape with, with Jesus. I'm ready to invite him in as my Savior and my Lord. I know that I can't do what he's called me to do. I can't live this life, this double life that I've been living anymore. I need forgiveness. I need a do-over. I, I need a blank page today. I'm ready for life change. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to slip up your hand. Just say, that's me. Say, one, two, three. Come on, slip up your hand. I'm ready to give my life to Jesus today. I'm ready, I'm ready to agape. I'm ready to receive his love, and I'm ready to love in, in, that, in the way that he loved me first. Come on, if that's you, slip up your hand. Thank you. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. Anybody else? Thank you. I, I, won't, I won't call you to the front. I'm not going to embarrass you. If that's you, slip up your hand. I'm so proud of you. So proud of you. Amen. I see you. Thank you. Come on, let's say this prayer together. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for loving me with an agape love. And now, I love you with an agape love. You are enough. I'm satisfied with you. Forgive me of all my sin. Wash me clean. Make me new. Give me a fresh start. And from this day forward, I will follow you and serve you the best that I know how. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's thank God today. Let's give God the biggest praise. Come on, let's give God praise today.